Welcome to How Life Changed, a podcast that features stories of real people and how their lives have changed as a result of COVID-19. I'm your host, John Noltner, and I'm glad you could join us. Change is a constant in life, but as a global community, we're now in the midst of unprecedented change as a result of the pandemic, and it's altering our work, home, and community lives in unexpected and profound ways. Each of us will experience this outbreak in our own unique fashion, each of us a single thread woven into the fabric of this historic event. Over the next 30 minutes or so, we'll explore just one of those threads, one person's story, and through that lens, hope to gain some human insight into the bigger picture of what's happening in our world today. This episode of How Life Changed is being recorded on Wednesday, April 15, 2020. Today I'm talking with Jennifer Loudon, a best-selling author and a leading voice in self-care and creative transformation. Jennifer, it's so good to have you with us. Delightful. It's just delightful. It's so nice to connect with people during this time and see your face, and that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's good to meet you. I'm I'm curious if ever we needed a little bit of self-care and creative transformation in the world, <laughs> it, it might be now. How how are you seeing this work in in an era of COVID-19 and social distancing? Oh, I'm seeing so many things happen. Um one, I'm seeing people naturally, if they're able, if they're privileged enough, if they're not in a 600 foot apartment with three children if they're not on the front lines. So I'm not speaking for everybody for sure. But the people who do have some spaciousness or some time alone, I'm seeing that things that don't matter seem to be falling away kind of naturally and things that might give them pleasure or meaning or light them up seem to be naturally occurring. I I was listening to an NPR story about chefs and they're all cooking at home and loving it, which they would never do because they wouldn't have the energy or the time. They'd be like, the last thing I want to do when I uh, get home is cook. I'm seeing people getting obsessed with different creative projects. Uh, I'm also seeing people resting and not doing anything and having a tremendous amount of flatness and depression. So I don't want to make it sound like everyone's at home, you know, writing a symphony because I don't think that's happening either. Yeah, it's it's interesting. In my own self, I noticed uh, first a little bit of shock at what was oh, happening, yes. how quickly my business unraveled. Yes, and, mine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and then some some alarm, uh, but <clears throat> very quickly settling into a sense of okay, I have to do this, I have to do that. Now is a great opportunity to do this, and then I saw, I think, posted online, someone gave me permission to rest. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was lovely. Yeah, that's, I think you're just beautifully captured maybe this, the first, first part of the cycles that we're going through, right? Shock, depression, uh, worry. My daughter works in a hospital in Seattle. She works in mental health uh, with, with teens and, and, and children. And she was not on the floor. Her job was no longer on the floor. She's an outpatient, but they thought they were going to bring her back to the floor. So that was a day of incredible, a couple of days of incredible anxiety for me. So I think we're writing this and then we are finding sort of, okay, I'm going to, you know, get my shit together. And then I feel like we're now coming into another time of almost a letting go kind of a, so a slowing down 
You know, it feels like it's um, being represented. I don't know if you've seen the different stories of more wildlife coming into city streets and Mm -hmm. towns and, of course, back to the national parks. It feels like that's a representative of what some of us might be getting to do is kind of, oh, one of the things we're doing in Colorado at 8 p.m., people come out on their porches and and howl. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. (laughs) So well, you, you, a, and you forget, but then you hear howling, and you're like, "Oh my God, right! I gotta go howl." <laughs> <laughs> I um, it, it is an interesting little bit of symbolism that when the city quiets down, some of those natural things can seep in. And I think perhaps in our lives, when some of this noise and clutter has gone away, other good and natural things will start to filter back. I do feel like that's happening. Again, it may not be happening in a consistent way or we may not be represent um we may not have access to it as much as we want, but I do see that happening and I think it's exciting. Yeah, I think it's it's that opportunity to be intentional and to mm-hmm. bring some of those things back in is is hopefully one of the silver linings that can happen out of this and, process. And even if we do lose it whenever life comes back to whatever it's going to be, whenever that happens, maybe we'll, maybe there'll be something that's nourished in us that we can't lose. I hope you're right. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I should backpedal and say that even though I remember seeing that invitation to uh, slow down and rest, I haven't really listened to it yet. Oh, I appreciate that. I have. And I actually am, I I don't know if you've heard the term out there, the great reset. This may be the great reset for cultures and how we live. And I I think that's probably more optimistic. Change doesn't usually happen that way, even with the pandemic. But I have been feeling a great reset in myself. And probably for the last year and a half, two years, I have been hustling really hard um, in my business with writing this book my new book and planning everything we were going to do to get the book out. And then so much of those plans fell apart or didn't come to fruition because of the pandemic. And at first I was just the cycle that you were describing. I was pissed. I was, I got depressed, really depressed. And I have suffered from depression on and off in my life, but not for years. Um, I mean, I was, and when I get stressed, I get frozen, you know, some people fight or flight or some combination. I just get frozen. And as that began to thaw and I took care of myself doing that, it felt like this, just this shedding of this hustling. Like, what would my life look like if I didn't hustle so hard anymore? And it's, I got to tell you, it is, John, it's terrifying. (laughs) And I realize it's part of what I wrote about in my book, Irony Alert. You have to let go. You have to leave behind the things that don't serve you if you're going to find what's truly next for you. And I kind of thought I'd done that already. <laughs> it, it seems there's always another layer to find. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I'll surprise. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that new book. It's called Why Bother? Discover the Desire for What's Next. And the release date is just around the corner. It's April 21st. Yeah, right in the middle of... Are why bother time? I don't know what is going on. <laughs> is it a good time? If one more person tells me it's a great time to release this book, I might have to have a hissy fit. <laughs> <laughs> um, what t- tell us about the book a little bit? Yeah, so I wrote a book probably every year or two for a number of years, had a lot of success with them, and then I hit 11 years without a new book. 11 years, and during that time, I 
had different ideas. I would email my agent. I've got this great idea. Oh, it's a great idea. Write up a book proposal. And then I couldn't do it. Like nothing would gel. Nothing had juice or truth for me. So I told myself at some point, um, I'm not going to write another self-help book because all my books have been self-help books. I mean, I'm just done. I'm done with self-help. We don't need any more self-help in the world. And, um, and I spent four years and 500 pages, um, writing a memoir about a dark time in my life. Um, and when the book, I turned it over to a friend who's a book coach to read, she had the delicious job of telling me that the book didn't work. That it just didn't work. There was lots of good stuff in it, but it didn't work as a whole. And it was out of that that this book came. Because when I looked at the four, looked at what I'd written in those five hundred pages, I saw how I had come to these different junctures in my life that I call why bother times. Like when you're like, what's the point? I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. And I had every time done some things that were really constructive and then I had not finished the process and had gone back to doing things that were a little bit different or a little bit satisfying but not really gone through the change or we can call it the reset now um and so that's what arose out of those ashes finally arose this book which I think I've really probably been trying to write for 20 years Hmm. well let me back up a little bit this friend who had the delicious uh, opportunity to tell you it wasn't working. Are you still friends? We are. She is incredible. It was, I felt, I felt for her so much that she had to be the one to tell me that. She, she told me it took her three days to write the email. Yeah, yeah. But thank goodness for friends like that who can be yeah. honest and can have those hard conversations, right? Yeah. And that's her job. She's a book coach. So um, she's very, very, she's one of the best book coaches out there. So, yeah. Um, what does a book tour look like these days? Well, right now I'm going to have a virtual book party on the 22nd. And I invited a bunch of guests. I'm going to give a bunch of giveaways. And otherwise, I've been bugging everybody I know to have me on their podcast or their, you know, I think we'll start looking for places we can maybe do Facebook Live groups. So basically, I spend some time every day just reaching out trying anything I can to get attention for the book. And that's all I know how to do right now and hope that, and kind of take the long game too. There's a way that you have to remind yourself because of the way the book business works and the book business is being completely disrupted by the pandemic, that it is not a loaf of bread. It's not going to go stale. And in fact, one of my readers, students wrote me today and said that she thinks that it'll be more relevant in six months when we're starting to come out of the pandemic and say, why, you know, so much was taken from me or changed. Now, why do I bother? What do I care about? So I'm trying to, I'm trying to take a non-hustle approach, John. I'm trying to take the long view. I'm trying to walk my bloody dog. <laughs> I'm proud of you. It sounds like you're doing it. I'm trying. I feel pretty, I feel pretty in alignment with it today <laughs> <laughs> for the moment for the moment yeah yeah um what else has shifted in your world what else what else is different today than what you imagined it would have been a month ago mm. i i think again just go back to this hustle thing um i'm noticing that i'm rushing less and it's really astonishing because this is the time that I should be doing everything I can to get word out about the book. I should just be emailing and, you know, brainstorming and just working. And I'm not, I'm like, I'm really listening to 
the part of me that goes, well, I'm really tired. I want to go lay down for 20 minutes. Or I went for a six mile run yesterday afternoon at three o'clock. I'm like, I want to get outside. It's a beautiful day. I want to do some miles. Um, so I feel like there's just, I'm feeling much more instinctual than I ever would have imagined during this time. I and mean, I'm the kind of person who walks around saying, okay, and next you've got to do this. And, you know, like with the running to-do list out loud, I'm not doing that at all. So it's ast- I'm kind of astonished. I'm scared, but I'm astonished at the same time. When you talk about creativity... I find that a lot of my creative friends are having trouble mm. creating right now, right? There's so much uncertainty and there's so much um, anxiety, almost trauma around this loss and this shift and, yes. and the unknown. It, it can be paralyzing. So mm-hmm. how, how does a person navigate that? Well, I think you have to, you have to have some practices that help your brain because our brains hate uncertainty, hate it. And when we are in, when we're gripped by uncertainty, we lose access to the higher functions of our brain that help us be creative. I mean, if we put you in an fMRI, we'd be like, oh, it's going to be really hard for you to be creative right now. So we have to realize that we are human animals. We are, and when we are in even a slight background, barely aware state of hyperarousal, we are going to go to what a default threat, whatever our default threat response is. So mine is to freeze and my second one is to flee. And I like to flee to crunchy snacks as much as possible. (laughs) But somebody else's might be to fight. It might be to get online and suddenly be making, yes, my husband all that, making comments on people's Facebook posts or, you know, raging about the political situation. Or um, So you have to notice that you are going into a threat defense and you have to acknowledge that you're not going to be able to be creative when you're in there. And then you have to remember it is not inevitable that you respond to this pandemic this way. You do not have to respond to a pandemic, (laughs) the pandemic, the pandemic, with a threat response, with a fight or a flight or a flee or some freeze combination of us. You can remember what you can tap into that is a uh, resource for you. And you can use the stress of this moment. Now, this is a choice. I'm not saying you have to be productive at all, but you can use stress to have a healthy response, to have a healthy creative response. But you're going to have to work at it. It's not going to happen naturally. And I think a lot of us are realizing we don't have a lot of ability to work with our brains and our um, brain chemistry and our nervous system. And and this would be a good time to learn. (laughs) Well, Jennifer, what what are your strengths? What are your resources that you draw on? Yeah, that's a great question. I made a whole list. Where is it? Somewhere around here. <laughs> well, I hope you remember some of them. <laughs> I do remember some of them. Um, you know, for me, I'm a pretty kinesthetic person. You know, you're seeing me use my hands and everything. So it's usually to do something in my body um, and to realize that I have a connection to my body. So that's one of my resources. And when I'm in my threat defense response place, I cut my body off. I pretend I'm just a giant head on a stick. So one of my resources to go back to, like, is it rolling around on the floor and making funny noises? Is it doing a yoga pose? Is it going for a run and listening? Like yesterday I ran and listened to Hallelujah. Not Hallelujah, 
Leonard Cohen, like hallelujah, they do in church. Um, right. So music and my body, I've been doing something called dance church with my daughter and her friends. It's, um, y'all can look it up online and, um, it's a streaming hour of dance and we get a zoom going and I can see her and all her little girlfriends. And then, um, my daughter's going to be 26. They're not little girlfriends. And, um, and then we all mute that and then we all dance, but we can see each other dancing. So that's been really helpful. So the body is the first one. Um, remembering what gives me pleasure. Pleasure can be a really important way for me as a resource, whether it's really stopping and eating my lunch. I've been letting myself eat a lot of really great bread. Usually I'm sort of like, oh, carbs, they don't make me feel so good. But I'm like, "Mm, bread, we have this great bakery we're trying to keep in business in our neighborhood. Reading fiction that I, you know, that really gives me pleasure. That's been a great resource. And I would put that into the pleasure category. Um, And Definitely slowing down to take things in through my senses. You know, again, a great, that great piece of bread, the butter, or, you know, getting to look at your face or looking at the beautiful blue sky, the clouds. Something so you're in, uh, you're in Colorado and, uh, and, and Boulder is a pretty active town. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, in Bloomington, Minnesota, where I am, uh, we're just starting to come out of our hibernation shells yeah. <laughs> and you see a lot of people, more people than usual outside. What, what does it feel like in Boulder in this new world? It feels the same way. We're in, we're not in Boulder proper. We're in Longmont. So we're a little bit out, a little less dense. Um, and but we have a lot of trails and bike paths and stuff right outside our door. And there's definitely more people outside, a lot more families outside. I see that a lot more people on bikes. And yesterday I saw, I must have been a grandfather and he was racing his kids and they raced by me. Um, and I took out, you know, we were you know, well away from each other on a wide path. And I took out my earphones and I said, what do you got? You know, where are you going? And they're like, where's the post, which is this uh, restaurant which obviously is closed in our neighborhood and I'm like you guys got a long way to go and they laughed and so I'm seeing a lot of that um and I'm seeing a lot of sharing the trail we went for a long trail run on Saturday and a lot of people being really good with their masks and their buffs and uh, sharing the trail getting off the trail which really is um, makes you feel good yeah what do you hope people take away from this more than anything Oh, that is such a great question, John. Um, I I hope that we take away, can I say two things? I'll let you say two things, sure. Oh, God, you're so generous. <laughs> we got time. <laughs> I hope that they take away noticing what naturally is happening that brings them alive and brings them joy and brings them connection. So that they're like, wow, I want more of that in my life. Because that, that's what I think helps us bother, helps us care. You know, I think it naturally, it naturally is occurring to us all the time, but we cut ourselves off from it with our busyness, with our shoulds, with our drivenness, with, with our whatever it is for, for each person. And then I hope that we see how many people in the world didn't have access to that during this time. How many people you know, didn't have access to care or shelter in place or enough food and that we, we hold ourselves accountable to that, to do something about that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, if that can if that can flatten out some of I mean we talk about flattening the curve a lot but if we can flatten out some of the social disparities. Yes. That, that we, we really feel them this time that we say, you know, I got to make bread or I got to make you know play cards with my my family or I got to, you know, and look at these families and people who were, you know, stealing groceries because they were starving. What can I do about that? But not taking it on as like, oh my God, no, I have to save the world, but really being able to hold both. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, have where can people learn more about your writing and your new book coming out? Yeah. So we have a wonderful page of goodies that we're giving people who buy the book and that's jenniferloudon.com forward slash why dash bother. And we're going to give you a free course with me and, um, we're having a book party on April 22nd with all kinds of guests and giveaways. It's going to be a total fun blast. We give you that when you get the book and, um, and jenniferloudon.com is, is, is everything online right there. All right. We will put that in the liner notes for this episode as well so that people can check it out. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, last question. Uh, Once the social restrictions have lifted, once Mm -hmm. life starts to get back to normal, what's the first thing you want to do? I have a group of friends. They live mostly in our neighborhood and we run together um, or we start running together, but then we all run at different speeds. <laughs> and then we often go have a beer or a cider or a, a sparkly water together afterwards. That's what I really miss. That sounds like oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh. And see, seeing my daughter. I haven't seen my daughter in months. Okay. <laughs> oh, really more. Yeah, no, that's truer. That, I miss my, I miss my friends, but I really miss my kid. I want to see my kid. <laughs> Besides doing uh, dance on zoom. Yeah, together. It's not the same as hugging her. I miss her so much. And yeah, so I want to see my kid. That's what I want most. And then I want to have a beer with my friends. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope that both of those things happen sooner rather than later. Thank Uh, you. Thanks so much for taking the time. It's great to talk with you. Very much so. Thank you, John. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for How Life Changed. I'm your host, John Noltner, and I look forward to seeing you next time. How Life Changed is a series produced by A Piece of My Mind, a multimedia arts project that uses storytelling to rediscover what connects us. You can find A Piece of My Mind on Instagram at A-P-O-M-M Stories, on Twitter at A Piece of My Mind 1, that's the numeral 1, Facebook and YouTube at A Piece of My Mind. Peace is always spelled out, P-E-A-C-E. And you can find all of those links on our website, apomm.net. That's the acronym for a piece of my mind.net. Listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend to listen too. Together, we'll see the world in new ways, one story at a time.